Evan now. What are your thoughts on the Trinity? God, the Trinity is God uh, is one being in three separate equal persons. God, the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 85.5% of you said, I believe it's true and I understand what the Trinity is. 12.4 said, I heard of it, but I do not understand it. In 1.8, I've never heard of the Trinity. Uh, and then kind of connected in there is God creating the heavens and the earth by direct and not by the process of evolution. This is all going to tie in today why these tie in. 64% of you strongly agree, and you can see some other ones on agree and disagree. Who is the Holy Spirit to you? 71.7 uh, said, he indwells in my body as a believer. 24.8, he is part of my life, but not too sure what his role is. Uh, and then 2.7, never heard of him. And then Jesus was both fully human and fully God. 69.6, strongly agree. 21.4, agree. 7.1, neutral. 1.8, disagree or strongly disagree. So I'm going to turn to you without a lot of introduction to your table to talk about this question, just really simply. If you had to explain the Holy Spirit, how would you explain the Holy Spirit? And some of you, if you go around, you're like, I don't even know, or not the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. If you had to, sorry, if you had to explain what the Trinity is, how would you explain it? And you can be open at your table to say, I have no clue. That's okay. We're going to talk about it today. Don't feel ashamed about that. Some of you just go around, talk about it. If you had to explain what the Trinity is, how would you explain it? Go. Okay. That was just a little intro to get you talking about it. And if you're at your table and you're like, you know, I didn't have any way to explain the Trinity other than looking at the definition you gave of the survey results up there, that's totally okay. I'm not sure we always really talk about the Trinity that much in the church, but we're in this series called Foundations kind of hashtag eternal truths, things that are true for all eternity, have always been true. It's really a series about theology. Theology is the study of God. Let me give you a quick recap on this series so you can kind of see where we've gone because we've covered a lot of ground. Week one, I started out talking about the Bible. How did we get it? What is it? Why can we trust it? Really the foundation of all that we know about God, all we know about theology comes from the Bible. Week two, uh, Noah Smith came and talked about Jesus. Who is Jesus? 100% God, 100% man. Week three, John Fletcher talked about the Holy Spirit, who he is and the role that he plays in our lives. Week four, Michael Green talked about the church. You know, what, what is the church? Why do we have the church? What's the theology of the church? What's our role in the church? Week five then, David Wright came and he talked about sin. Like, he talked about really like, our utter hopelessness without Jesus, that we are lost, we are condemned to hell in our sin. But then Carthy came in week six and talked about salvation, the gospel, and eternal security, right? That was really cool for to think about, to realize we, can, we do nothing but faith for our salvation, but God gives it to us. And then Aaron talked about angels and demons last week, and talked, we talked about spiritual warfare I hope you uh, were at small groups and got to talk about spiritual warfare. And just to give you a plug for small groups, it's really cool to see this room full. But to be honest with you, this is a total tangent real quick, okay? But to be honest with you, you can come in here every Sunday and you can take in and then you can leave here and it does nothing for your life. When you can come in here and you can take and it can do something for your life. But when you get involved in a Wednesday night on a small group, that is when you get to be in community with other believers, a leader that cares for you. That is so, like my biggest desire would be that literally every person in this room would be in a small group on Wednesday nights. I'm done. Um, I'm, I'm talking about the Trinity today. And then week nine, next week, Aaron is gonna end with end times. 
talk about, it's called eschatology, the study of the end times, what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. So today, the Trinity, the Trinity, the Trinity is all about understanding who God is, the essence of God. You know, if you look up, if you look up the word essence, I can barely spell it, but I looked it up. And the definition of essence is the basic, real, and invariable nature of a thing or its significant individual feature or features. And then I was like, still don't understand it. Let's break this down for me. So then I was like, okay, basic. What does basic mean? Of or relating to or forming a base or fundamentals. That's basic. Forming the base, the foundation. What does real mean? Existing or occurring as fact, actual rather than imaginary, ideal or fictitious. So it's, it's existing, it exists, it's, it's fact. And then invariable, not variable. I'm like, come on, that doesn't help me. Don't you hate that when you go look up a definition, you're like, not, ver-. come on. Not changing or capable of being changed, static or constant. So when we say we want to know somebody or when we say that we know somebody, what we're really saying is we know the essence of who they are. That's really what we're saying. We're not saying that I know that they're made up of cells and I know their blood type, right? That's not what we're saying. When we say we know somebody, we're saying we know their character, the essence of who they are, that they exist, the kind of the foundation of who they are. And how do we know God? How can we know his essence? The essence, the foundation of who God is, that he exists, that he's not changing, that he will never change, is in the Trinity, That is how we know God. His essence is the Trinity. So today, like each part of this theology series, I want to talk to you about the study of God. You know, the goal of this series has, my desire to do this series was not ultimately that you would have some kind of application each week, even though we've given you an application each week, because theology ultimately is meant to apply. But the goal hasn't been that you have some kind of great application to walk away from here. The goal is that that you have more of a knowledge of God's truth a fuller understanding of his truth and his word so that you are building a foundation of who God is, of what his word is. And so as we discuss the Trinity, my goal is not necessarily for application, but for you to know the truth of who God is, who his essence is through the Trinity. Now, there's a verse in Isaiah 55 verses eight through nine that says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are, my, are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. <laughs> I'm going to try to break the Trinity down for you so you can understand it. But the reality is you're going to get at the end, you're going to be like, hopefully I understand it more, but I'll be honest, you're not going to fully understand it. And I actually think that that's okay. If we fully understood who God was totally and everything about him, would he be God then? Right? Like God has made us known who he is, but at the same time, there are some things of God that in our finite minds on this earth, we will not fully understand. But it'll be really cool when we get to heaven. And I don't, I don't really think there's going to be like a Q&A line with God. Maybe he texts now. I don't know. You know, maybe we get to text him and, and ask him our questions. But it'd be cool when God explains an answer in heaven, like the Trinity, and you're just like, it makes sense now. Right? Like I think it'll make sense there. But let's see what we can make sense of the Trinity. So I want to start here. What is the Trinity. A basic definition of the Trinity is that it's the theological truth that there is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons. And you're like, well, how is that possible? 
And I'm like, I don't know. But it's in God's word, and I believe it. I want to try to break it down. That God can ex- eternally exist as three distinct persons. But there's one God eternally existing in three distinct persons. Those three distinct persons are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, understand this. The word Trinity is not a word that is ever used in the Bible. The word Trinity, you will not find the word Trinity to be used in the Bible, but it is a word that gives a name for what the Bible reveals about who God is. And it is one of the basic tenets, the basic theology doctrine in scripture and who God is. So, but the crazy thing is you're going to realize this when you see these verses on the screen, you're going to be like, what? The Trinity's there. It's just not called the Trinity. Go to that first verse. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of what? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's the Trinity right there. That's where baptism is, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go to the next verse. And when Jesus, this is Jesus' baptism. It says, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven, that would be God, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Guess what? There's the Trinity right there at Jesus' baptism. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Go to the next verse. And there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called the one hope that belongs to your call and one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. The early church, Paul, he was, they didn't come out and say this is the Trinity, but it was very clear like there is one God that is three distinct persons. The Trinity. I think there's one more verse. And Jesus, this Jesus God raised up. This is an Acts now. And of that, we all are witnesses. So there's Jesus that God raised up, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he was poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. There's the Trinity again. So again, the word Trinity is not used in scripture, but especially in the New Testament, it's all over scripture. Now, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go into it here, but you could go back and you could look at the New Testament and you would see the Trinity in the New Testament. Not as clear as in the, um, in the Old Testament, you could see the Trinity. Not as clear as it is in the New Testament because Jesus hadn't come to earth yet. But you know what is, is really crazy? The f- Genesis 1.26, the first verse in the, one of the first verses in the Bible says, and God says, and let us create man in our own image. You ever notice that? Let us. That seems weird. Why would it say us? We always, it's God creating. In the beginning when God created, the Trinity was there. Us, three distinct people, all one, one God. So the Trinity is a Christian doctrine that's been around for a long time. The Nicene Creed, if you can put that up on the uh, uh, screen, this is, this is basically a creed of the early church. This was written in AD 325, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ. This is the parts that are underlined. Begotten, not made, co-substantial with the Father. Co-substantial means the same, equal, different but equal. And then you go down and then it says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. So again, the early church was affirming the doctrine of the Trinity, that it is God and three distinct persons, one God and three distinct persons. Then the Apostles' Creed, which was written in the 5th century, 500 AD, says this, a little bit simpler, 
for people like me. I think there's, uh, there we go, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son and Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Right there, the Trinity. All there, the early church understood, they knew, they affirmed the doctrine of the, of the Trinity. Now, it's important, it is important to have a proper understanding of one God who exists and three distinct persons. So let's start with one God. Deuteronomy 6.4 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord our God is one. That is a foundation of scripture. It is a Christianity, Judaism, are a monotheistic religion, not polytheistic, monotheistic, one God. Clearly God starts out in the beginning and is making himself distinct from all the other religions in the world saying one God. God is one. That is very important. In Hebrew, this verse is called the Shema. It's the core creed of Judaism. It was a declaration to all Jews that there was only one God that was truly God. Throughout all of history, the Jews have lived, and Christians now, have lived in a world of a very polytheistic world. Like most religions, oh, there's many gods, there's different gods, there's all kinds of gods. Christianity says there is one God. We serve one God, not three. We don't just see this, as I said, in the Old Testament. We see this in the New Testament. Look at Ephesians 4, uh, 5, and 6. It says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. The New Testament also affirms, we worship one God. I'm, I'm making that clear. One God, three distinct persons. We worship one God. And there is this one thing, as I said, that sets Christianity and Judaism apart in the ancient world. And it was the fact that they believed in one God. All the other, you look at, the, you look at Paul in, in Romans and in Acts. You know, he's talking about these other, the other religions around them that worship many gods. They had a God for everything. The, there, we believe that this one God exists in the form of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Equal, but individual. Equal, but individual. Now, there's been all kinds of illustrations that people have brought up, but there's some main ones that really fit. Because people are like, well, how can I try to like understand? What's an illustration that will help me understand the Trinity so we can put it in our heads, right? One of them that's been given is an egg, and there's going to be a thing that comes up with a lot of the things that have been used to describe the Trinity. One is an egg. An egg has three parts, right? Your egg, your shell, and the yolk. But here's, while it's a decent definition to help us understand it, it falls short. And where it falls short is a shell by itself is not an egg. A yolk by itself is not an egg. An egg white by itself is not an egg. But the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are each individually God in and of themselves, but they are one God in three persons. And this is the same thing for the apple. You can, okay, you can say you got the, the, seeds or the, uh, the seeds in there, but they're not an apple. What you bite into is the apple, but the skin's not the apple. So it, it falls apart there. So then another way that people are like, okay, we got a better way. Water, H2O. Water comes in three forms. Ice, water, and steam. But the problem is, it's all H2O. That's where this analogy falls short. Ice, water, and steam are really the exact essence with no distinction other than their form. 
Each member of the Trinity are the same essence, but they're different in person, not just in form. That God is just one. If, if we try to think about like the water, then that God would just be one God and Father, and then the Son and the Holy Spirit are really just expressions of the one God. But it falls short there because the Trinity is one God and three distinct persons. So best, this is not really an illustration, but best way I've seen the, the Trinity is when we went to Dare to Share this year, this is on my water bottle. This is a picture of my water bottle. They gave us this sticker. They did a message on the Holy Spirit. So you got God in the middle, the essence of who God is in the middle. God is God. Now, God is the Father, God is the Holy Spirit, and God is the Son. That is who God is. That is his essence. But the Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. Right? That, that's one of the best ways I've seen to help us understand and illustrate who the Holy Spirit is, or who the Trinity is. So let's break each of these down really quick. Now we've, talk, we've talked about these already in this series, which is kind of cool. This series is built on itself. That's what theology does. It's a foundation that we continue to build blocks on as we understand. So it seems that there is a hierarchy within the Trinity. Now, when we think about hierarchy, we immediately think of greater or lesser. That's just where we go on this earth. We immediately go to greater or lesser. But the hierarchy within the Trinity, it's not a greater or lesser thing. It's just that there is, there is one that is, uh, that is the father. He is the one in charge, but it's not a greater or lesser. They're still equal. So who is the father? John 5, 19 says, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. So in the, in, within the Trinity, it seems to be the father is the one in charge. 1 Timothy six sixteen. it's not on the screen, but it says that the father alone lives in unapproachable light and that no person has ever seen him or ever can see him. He eternally is self-existent one. So we've got God as the leader. Then we've got the son. Who is the son? Well, the son is the second person of the Trinity. This is Jesus. He is fully God, fully human, and is the visible expression of the Trinity. We talk about Jesus 2,000 years ago, pouring himself out to become one of us. The son of God became the son of man. Jesus is not 50% God, 50% human. He is 100% human and 100% God and 100% sinless. John 8, 58 says, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. When Jesus said, I am there, he is speaking to the, to the Jewish leaders. And that was like, to them, it was blaspheming because they're saying, you are God. You are the eternally existent one. Jesus made no he didn't try to beat around the bush on this one. He said, I am God. He says, I am. I have eternally existed. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. And finally, the third person of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. He's not lesser. Just as we look at scripture, we see this hierarchy that they're one and the same. We've got God as the first, Jesus as the second, and the third is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the third person of the Trinity who gladly submits himself to the Father and the Son. It is the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live a life and service and witness to God. Acts 1.8 says, Jesus told his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. So again, this is what's crazy. Here's where it gets crazy. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father, but the Spirit is God. The Son is God and the Father is God. Equal, the same, but distinct. Equal, 
the same but distinct. Here's what I want you to do because your eyes are starting to glaze over. I want you to turn to your table and I want you to say, what is something you learned about the Trinity? What do you think about this example? What's something that maybe doesn't make sense to you a little bit? Take a couple minutes to do that. Okay. So, I'm glad there's a good discussion on the Trinity. I think that, I think I could, I could end right now, and some of you might be happy if I ended right now, but I think I could end right now, and it'd be fine, because this is who God is. It is the essence of who God is. But I do want to help dig a little bit deeper and, and help understand why is the Trinity important, whether it's be to us or just to who God is. First, and I've said this multiple times, but the Trinity is important because it is the essence of who God is. I think it, I, I knew the Trinity, I, I understood it, but in studying this, I didn't really fully get that the Trinity is the essence of who God is because it is one God and three distinct persons. It is God. It matters because it's who God is. It matters because it's in scripture. I, and I don't want us to under, I want us to understand that we always don't have to have a perfectly great answer. I'm not saying we shouldn't search for answers. I'm not saying you shouldn't want to know why. I'm not saying, I'm saying that it's okay to doubt some things sometimes and work through those and look for answers, but it's okay sometimes just to go, this is who God is and accept that from scripture. But thankfully, God does want us to know why. So here's another reason why the Trinity is important. Every doctrine is affected by the Trinity. Every doctrine of scripture is affected by the Trinity. Think about this. At salvation, they all work together to save you. God the Father chose you. He drew, draws you to him. Jesus died and rose again to redeem you. The Spirit regenerates you, bringing you from death to life. The Holy Spirit's at work in salvation, or the Trinity's at work in salvation. Atonement. Atonement is like the payment for your sins, making you right. They all work together to atone for your sins. God sent his son to die for you. Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for your sins of the Father. The Holy Spirit imparts that forgiveness to you when he indwells you. The Trinity's at work in this atonement, the payment for your sins. Think about sanctification. The Holy Spirit's at work, the Trinity's at work there. They all work together to sanctify you, to help you run the race of your life for God's glory. The Father marked out the race set for you to run. The Son intercedes on your behalf and prays for you as you run. The Spirit empowers you to run. How about the Bible? The Trinity was at work in the Bible. They all work together to create the Bible. The Father started the work at creation. The Holy Spirit moved the writers to write what he had, what God desired. And then Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law and is the word come to life. The Trinity had all worked together in the creation of the Bible. Another reason why the Trinity is important is because we're all made in God's image. It's how we understand who we are. Genesis 1, 26, as I said, then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. We talk about the Trinity's there, the us, and then it says, what's the us doing? It's making man in our own image. So I, I know, I know my dad, great. Like I know his essence. I know my dad's backstory. I know that my dad, his dad died at six years old because my dad's dad was an alcoholic. And he, was, he basically drank himself to death, had cancer of the liver. And you know what? Then my dad became kind of a constant drinker. But guess what? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, my father stopped 
drinking alcohol, completely stopped drinking it when I was in middle school. And you know what? It's really interesting. When I look at my dad's life, that is part of what empowers me to know who I am. I'm like, that's my father. And there's somehow I'm connected to that in some way. And it's like, that's the power, Lord, that I've seen you work in his life. And therefore, that same power is alive to me in my life. But even more than that, you, each of you are created in the image of God. And being created in the image of God means that you're created in the image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three of those. Something's nature is its core and makes it unchangeable. The Trinity is unchangeable and you are created in that image. Another reason the Holy Spirit is important is because God has chosen to reveal himself in what we call a big word in a triune way. God has chosen to reveal himself in the way of the Trinity. You know what that shows us? It shows us that God is relational. It shows us that God is relational. It means too that if God is relational, we are meant to be in relational. Let me say this. There is a deeper, deeper level of community, love, and friendship between the members of the Trinity, between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, a deeper level than I think we can even fully understand. They are in perfect fellowship with each other. They love each other, love each other in a way that we probably can't even fully get together. And God was an intimate community from the beginning. And you know, when I get passionate about wanting you guys to be in a small group, it's because I know that we are designed to be in community. Created in the image of God, in the beginning, the us, the Trinity was there. We are meant to be in community. That is where love happens. There's a quote by uh, a guy named Harry Linzel that says, the mind of a man cannot fully understand the mystery of the Trinity. He who has tried to understand the mystery fully will lose his mind, but he, would do, he who would deny the Trinity will lose his soul. Interesting quote to think about because it is the essence of who God is. I got, I got one more reason for you as to why the Trinity is important, and it's because God is love. It is how we know what love is. You know, God didn't create humanity because he was lonely. God was perfectly fine within himself. He had a perfect community within the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He didn't need to create us. He was happy before a single angel or human ever existed. The Father loved the Son. The Son loved the Spirit. They all love one another in a complete way. So why did God create humanity? Maybe the answer is because he wanted to show us his love. He wanted to show us the love that he had. You know, you know how I get real excited about coffee? Yeah, and like I can't help it but talk to you guys about coffee because I love it and I taste it and I say, this is so good. Why would you not want this? Jesus created this. And I think in the same way, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'm, I'm not, I'm just trying to help us understand this. I'm not, I'm not trying to go too basic here, but God goes, I want someone else to experience the love that we have together for each other. He wanted to show us his love. He wanted to create us so that he could offer humanity his love and say, taste this and see that the Lord is good. And ultimately, God wanted to create us because he wanted us to worship him, because he's do that. You know, we get a glimpse of this in John 17, 20 through 21. It says, my, this is Jesus praying. This is towards the end of his life. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, 
may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. God is like, Jesus is like, Lord, I pray for, he's praying for us, for all humanity saying, I'm praying that they would experience and feel the same love that we have for each other and the community that we have together. We serve one God, we serve one God and the one God eternally exists in three persons, three distinct people. Now, here is where it gets crazy and it gets really personal when we think about the Trinity. John 14, 23, Jesus said, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and we will make our home with each of them. He's saying, I wanna invite you into this. I wanna come dwell within you, the Trinity to dwell within you. And it's really cool when you look at the bottom of that sticker from the water bottle. At the bottom, it says, not a member, but invited into. Not a member, but invited into. I'm gonna finish with a story here. Have you guys, uh, anyone ever heard of Kiowa Island in South Carolina? Kiowa Island in South Carolina? Okay, Um, it's a very nice place. Some of you have probably been there and that's totally okay. Um, It's a very, very nice place. It's a resort in around Charleston, South Carolina. And when Wendy and I were, uh, we were on our honeymoon and we were out one day at the beach and then we're like, oh, we've heard of this. I saw this place and it's called Kiowa Island. Let's just go visit it. So we like, we pull up and we're like driving there. We're like, oh, this might be a bigger deal than we thought. There's like, a, there's like a guard shack here and like this seems really, really nice. I don't think we have enough money to be here. We clearly did not have enough money to be there. And we get to the guard gate and the lady's like, well, can we help you? And we're like, oh, we just wanted to come look around this place. She's like, this isn't really a place you just kind of look around. You kind of have to like be a part of this, kind of a member of this. But she goes, but you know what? I'll give you a guest pass. I'll invite you in. So what do we get to do? We drove in. You know me, I'm like, I'm living the high life now. I loved it. When we walked in the front door, you know what they said? They said, welcome back. I said, thank you. It is nice <laughs> to be here. True story. They were like, welcome back. So what did we do? We went to the pool. We grabbed a towel. We hung out there. We explored the entire place. We didn't get to get a room though. Um, but, you know, they were like, you have to pay for that. So, so uh, at the end, you know, we left and we're like, wow, that was crazy. We weren't really supposed to go in there, but we were invited to go into it. We weren't members of it, but we're invited into. I think that's what God says to each of you. He says, you're invited into it. You're not a member of it, but you're invited into it. And that's the offer of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, you know why you're invited into it? It's not because of anything you did. It's because of what we did in the Trinity for you, that you had no way to make it to heaven on your own, to be back in relationship with God it was as you were originally created. But Jesus came and he died. And now when you believe that, the Holy Spirit can come and live in you. I'm just gonna take a moment as we end here. If you just close your eyes, and if there's anyone in here that has said, I have never believed that. Jesus says to Nicodemus in the Bible, in John chapter three, he says, you are, you need to be born again. He says, you need to be born again. Why born again? Because if you have never believed in Jesus, You are dead spiritually. You are dead because of your sin. But he says, you can believe in me and be invited into it. If you have never believed that for the first time, now is an opportunity to do that. There's nothing like special about this time. It's just the fact that you heard the invitation that Jesus died for you. You can have a relationship with God again. 
Man, if that's something you want to believe, I just pray right now you would just make a simple prayer to God to say, God, I believe that for the first time. And yet you would accept that. And then you would go tell the leader at your table, tell one of your friends about that. But you know what we're going to do now is we're going to, we're going to worship in spirit and in truth. Let's worship. Amen.